And welcome to the July 16th edition of Liberation Station. This is your host, Chris Steiner. And the website is liberationstation.weebly.com. Liberationstation.weebly.com. And Weebly is spelled W-E-E-B as in ball, L-Y. Liberationstation.weebly.com. Welcome. We're tonight going to play, starting out, a uh, lecture, uh, part of a lecture given by Dr. Russell Blaylock. His website is russellblaylockmd.com. Russellblaylockmd.com, spelled Russell, R-U-S-S-E-L-L, Blaylock, B-L-A-Y-L-O-C-K-M-D, as in medicaldoctor.com. And why am I repeating this? Well, he has a lot of great information uh, to to deliver, and uh, it, it's very hard-hitting on nu- nutrition and behavior, how to uh, improve one's behavior and one's outlook and maybe prevent criminality and recidivism if we were to uh, perhaps give our prison population a better diet. And uh, if we were to eat a better diet, perhaps we would be happy enough to uh, not commit criminal acts so, uh, without further ado, uh, we're going to play this lecture, and then we'll take some calls and, and uh, have some more discussion on how to avoid criminality and prevent criminality. This is Dr. Russell Blaylock, and the title of this uh, lecture is Nutrition and Behavior. talk about is uh, nutrition and the effect on behavior, primarily brain function. And uh, this is a wide open field. We're learning a lot of things about nutrition that before were only guessed at. And one of the really exciting things is the effect of nutrition on genetics. We're finding that nutrition can control whether genes are operative or non-operative. In other words, they're on or off. And we're finding that you can, uh, early in the stages of development, alter a child's and the mother's nutrition, and you can affect a uh, child's life from then on, either negatively or positively. Uh, Reducing uh, breast cancer risk is something that was found recently. Reducing hypertension as an adult by what you do and feed your child as as, uh, even in utero. But we're gonna concentrate here on the effect of nutrition on brain function, and particularly people's behavior. Now, we know that uh, the brain uses a tremendous amount of energy. 
The brain is the only part of the body whose metabolism uh, and function never completely rest. The brain's metabolism never slows down significantly. If you give massive dose of phenobarbital and put people in an extremely deep coma where you have to control their respiration, you can only reduce the brain's metabolism 50% doing that. So people that are in deep, deep comas still have pretty high metabolism inside of their brain. And because the brain is metabolizing these nutrients so rapidly, you produce a lot of free radicals and lipid peroxidation products. That means you start oxidizing the different parts of the brain, which is harmful. And now we're beginning to realize that almost all neurological conditions somehow come back to that, whether it's Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson's disease, Lou Gehrig's disease, all these diseases are characterized by high free radical generation, high process of lipid peroxidation, which begins to destroy the structure of the brain, its connections, the cells, uh, alters the mitochondria and the DNA. And the effect of that is that unless you replace those damaged parts, the brain function begins to fall off more and more. And we know that the effect on the brain is not uniform. Some parts of the brain are more sensitive than other parts. Uh, just to give you an example of how metabolically active the brain is, the brain consumes 20% of all the oxygen in the blood, 25% of all the glucose in the blood, and yet it's only 2% of the weight of the body. So it is an enormous metabolic factory going on in all of these cells inside of the brain. The other thing that's important to remember, just like all parts of your body, is the brain is constantly being replaced. Every component in the brain is replaced. Some take years, some take decades, but we're finding out that some of the most important cons uh, components, uh, primarily the omega-3 fatty acid like DHA, is replaced very, very rapidly within about two weeks. Uh, and what this means is if you're deficient in it, your brain begins to change its structure very quickly so that the brain cannot function because one of its vital components is missing, and it only takes about two weeks of deficiency to produce that. Now, one of the first hints that there might be a connection between what you eat and your behavior was by uh, Dr. George Gould back in 1910. So we see this is not completely new. And then we see in 1935, it was found that hypoglycemia, low blood sugar, could mimic many of the serious neurological and psychological conditions, like anxiety, neurosis, hysteria, neurasthenia, and even psychosis could be imitated by people becoming hypoglycemic. And then in 1973, Dr. Wendell and Beeb found that there was a 74% incidence of hypoglycemia in people who had schizophrenia, the type of schizophrenia associated with anxiety. In other words, a very hyperactive schizophrenic. Almost three-quarters of them, or three-quarters of them, were uh, hypoglycemic. And we'll see what that does. And we're seeing a strong connection between sugar metabolism, carbohydrate metabolism in the brain, and various psychological conditions. For instance, they found 60% of the members of families that have hyperactive children either have diabetes, obesity, alcoholism, all three, which are all sugar consumption problems. So there's a very strong correlation there in hyperactivity in children. 
More research indicated that 75% of all prisoners were hyperactive as children. So it's taking it back all the way to this childhood that was programming that child for criminal behavior later in their life. Now, why would sugar have such a profound influence on brain function and psychological function? Well, when the sugar is in excess, it produces excess release of insulin. When insulin is released, you get hypoglycemia if it's excessive. That is, the blood sugar falls. When the blood sugar falls, it does two things. One, your body is trying to get that blood sugar back up because it needs that sugar for its energy metabolism. So it stimulates the adrenal gland to release two hormones. These are called epinephrine and norepinephrine. These are the hormones that make you jittery and nervous when your blood sugar falls. So if these hormones are stimulating the brain to increase activity. Also, when the brain becomes hypoglycemic, it releases one of its neurotransmitters called glutamate. Glutamate is the primary neurotransmitter for excitability. So it is the primary thing that turns the brain's activity into high gear. So both of these, the norepinephrine, epinephrine, and glutamate, are producing a state of hyperactivity. Now let's look at the effect of crime and nutrition. Uh, this was done by Dr. Stitt, who did, was a probation officer in uh, Ohio, who did some uh, research on the effect of uh, diet and uh, probation violators. And what she found is that those who remained on a bad diet, a lot of sugar, a lot of junk food, a lot of food additives like MSG, NutraSweet, these things, when they stayed on that, 56% of them ended up violating their probation uh, by committing some antisocial act, robbery, violence, etc. But if they were switched to a healthy diet, only 8% ever broke their probation. So there was a tremendous change in their behavior just by changing their diet. And these are, are felons. When they looked at narcotic abuse, they found the same thing. is that those who maintained the bad diet, the high sugar diet, junk food diet, 47% of them continued to use narcotics while they were on probation. Whereas those who were switched to the better diet, only 13% of them violated their probation by using narcotics. So it's a rather profound effect. It's not a minor effect. They also coincidentally found there was a dramatic reduction in suicides. So there was a strong correlation between this high sugar, high junk food diet and suicidal behavior. Now the Alabama prison system also did the similar study. They changed the diet of some of the prisoners and used the others to control. They found that there was a 42% reduction in criminal events when they changed these criminals' diet. And that there was a 61% reduction in antisocial behavior at one year. Another example of the profound effect of diet. Now just to give you a personal case, this is Raymond. Uh, Raymond was arrested for uh, assaulting his girlfriend. He actually tried to kill her. Uh, they were just arguing over something that was non-consequential, uh, just, just silly. But he flew into a rage, pulled his 357 Magnum, grabbed her, put it up to her head to shoot her, and she knocked it out of the way with her hand and he shot through her hand. Uh, she wouldn't file charges against him, but the state charged him with firing a, a, a weapon inside the city limits, so they arrested him. Well, uh, Dr. Stitt went back and looked at his history. 
And what she found out is that age four, his mother said he had these weak spells when he was playing. And he gets so weak, he couldn't hardly play any longer. She'd give him a little sugar, and then he would get back into his full activity and be fine until his blood sugar fell again, and it, it kept repeating. At age 13, she noticed there was radical mood swings and that his grades were beginning to fail. And he would have violent outbursts. This was coincident with his falling blood sugar. And at age 23, he attempts murder on his girlfriend. So she took him while he was on parole and put him on a special diet. His diet before consisted of junk foods, donuts, pastry, candy, and coffee, which is a lot of people's diet, particularly young people. And what they found is when they took him off all of this and put him on healthy food, he never broke his parole again, and he didn't commit any more violent acts. He was a changed person. And everybody remarked how they just couldn't believe it was the same person. <coughs> Study a prison system in five different states, and they looked at adult felons, and they looked for deficiencies in a lot of different nutrients, but mainly magnesium, zinc, folate, and vitamin B6. What they found in all five states was that violent offenders had the most deficiencies of all the prisoners. The more violent, the more deficiencies. So it's not just hypoglycemia. Oklahoma Children's Center did a similar study and they found there was a 43% reduction in uh, serious crime when they changed the diet. They got rid of the high fat, high sugar diet junk food that these childhood offenders were on. When they wanted to objectify it and say, well, is there any objective evidence of change in brain function, they look at EEG function in, in felons. Uh, these are serious criminals. And what they found is that there were about 14 different abnormalities in their EEG. When they switched their diet, it went from 14 to two abnormalities. So the EEG improved considerably, and one child uh, went from six to zero abnormalities with giving a simple vitamin. And they found that even marginal deficiencies in nutrition could cause criminal behavior to surface in these susceptible individuals, which are pretty high numbers. Selenium is one of the things we find that has a lot to do with brain function. There's a lot of new studies on selenium and brain function. Before, we thought selenium mainly had to do with things like antioxidant activity, uh, we thought it was for the health of the liver and the heart. Uh, now we understand that actually it has things to do with the functioning of the brain itself, particularly uh, behavior. We found that deficiencies in selenium are commonly associated with depression and periods of confusion, and that when you elevate the selenium intake, there was a significant improvement in people's mood. And newer studies have shown that it does indeed play a major role in how the brain functions. So deficiency is very detrimental to the brain. Now, all right, let's look at one of the major offenders, and that's sugar consumption. In 1900, Americans consumed about four pounds of sugar a year. That's not very much sugar. Now they consume about 129 pounds a year a 2,500% increase in sugar consumption. So we've seen um, multiple large studies, well-controlled studies, that the amount of sugar in your diet has direct activity in terms of your criminal behavior, your propensity to violent acts, 
and to antisocial behavior. And we're consuming more than ever. 57% of this sugar comes from processed foods. It's not putting a spoon of sugar in your coffee. It's hidden in your foods, particularly processed foods. The leading source of all sugar in the, in the American diet is fruit juices and sodas. 43% of all the sugar is coming from those two sources. And if you go anywhere, there's young people, they're drinking sodas. But you think, from what people say, it's mostly young people. Because if you look at the ads from Coca-Cola and Pepsi, they're all targeted at the young. And what do mothers do when their babies get old enough to start giving them some table food and juice? They give them apple juice, which is about at one of those little uh, cardboard containers. Uh, it's 35 grams of sugar. Uh, uh, orange juice, all the berry juices are extremely high in sugar. So you start your child out early in life getting used to this high sugar intake. Now, since 1974, the consumption of sodas has doubled. So we're drinking more soft drinks than ever before. Teenagers are drinking equivalent of 54 teaspoons of sugar a day, just from the sodas. The nutritionists say that your limit should be 10 teaspoons a day. So they're consuming about five times more than that. And of course, some are 10 times that. Uh, you have these great big drinks that you get at uh, McDonald's, and uh, they think nothing of drinking them. Uh, that's the thing to do. If you're thirsty, you drink something that has sugar in it. Study from UNC at Chapel Hill, they looked at adults age 49 to 50 and found that they increased their intake of soft drink consumption 250%. So it's not just the young people. And ironically, when they looked at those over age 60, they had increased it 300%. Well, metabolically, we know when you consume a lot of sugar, what it does is it dramatically increases the free radical generation in your brain. And it produces cross-linking of the proteins in all of your cells that dramatically increases the damaging effect of these free radicals. The bottom line is it makes every cell in your body age uh, much, much faster, particularly brain cells. People who consume a lot of calories, particularly in sugar, their incidence of Alzheimer's disease is about six times higher than everybody else's. So your caloric intake, particularly in sugar, has more to do with Alzheimer's disease than a lot of things that uh, people think are related. It's estimated that 50% of the population in the United States has reactive hypoglycemia. What this means is if you eat something with sugar or drink something with sugar, your blood sugar will fall dramatically because of an over-secretion of insulin. It gets so low, you start getting these symptoms of being very anxious, angry, trembly, weak, uh, where you feel like you just have to hurry up and eat something with sugar in it, uh, or you're going to pass out. And some people do pass out and have seizures, and some people die from reactive hypoglycemia. And again, it goes back to sugar, stimulates insulin release, which causes hypoglycemia, which stimulates the adrenal glands to secrete cortisol, epinephrine, norepinephrine, makes the brain secrete glutamate, the excitotoxin, and all of this results in hyperactive behavior. But it also results in permanent brain damage. Now, numerous studies have shown there's a close correlation between alcohol abuse, hypoglycemia, and criminal behavior. If you look at the most violent felons in prison, 
Most of them are hypoglycemic. Most of them are alcohol abusers. And we know that those violent felons, when they drink alcohol, their blood sugar falls tremendously. They're getting a hyperreactive effect from the alcohol. And I remember a young man in my practice one time came in and he had lost all the vision and half of his visual field. He couldn't see anything on one side. And what happened is he was drinking, his blood sugar fell, it fell so low he went into a coma and he had a stroke on one side of his brain in the visual portion of his brain. And that happens. And young people don't know that can happen, but it, it's not that uncommon. You can have seizures and you can die during these spells. An interesting correlation between alcoholism and hypoglycemia, in the study they found 97% of alcoholics were hypoglycemic, compared to 18% for the control. And the reason the alcoholic continues to drink alcohol is because the alcohol is a source of tremendous energy. And so when their blood sugar falls, they drink the alcohol, they feel better, and their blood sugar falls again, they drink more alcohol, and it's just an unending cycle. Now this is what happens when you treat the hypoglycemia. They found that if they treated the hypoglycemia, 71% of alcoholics became sober. Alcoholics Anonymous' best rate is only 25%. So correcting one condition corrected another condition. And if you look at the FBI statistics, most of the violent crimes in the United States are connected to alcohol. Most of your auto accidents are connected to alcohol. Most of your road rage are connected to alcohol because it's producing the same effect that the sugar's producing. Now, the most aggressive effects of this is in people who have abnormalities of the temporal lobe of the brain. The temporal lobe is not just for memory, but it's the elaboration center for your emotions particularly things like anger, connects to the amygdala, the nucleus in the brain, and has to do with anger. And we find that if people with temporal lobe dysfunction become hypoglycemic, they become enraged. Uh, these are the people who have road rage. These are the people who, in a uh, moment of anger, stomp somebody to death or picks up a knife and stabs somebody to death just out of the blue. For Things that are so minor, most of us would just shrug it off, but they don't. Because it triggers their temporal lobe, their anger centers in their temporal lobe, and they lose all control. We call it the discontrolled syndrome. And working in emergency rooms for many, many years, I can tell you, all the alcoholics I saw come in, some of the most violent people were the alcoholics. And it would take everybody in the emergency room to hold them down. They had tremendous strength and they were like enraged animals. And that's why you see these things, a road rage, that when you hear about it, you think, how could someone do that? Well, it's not a conscious act of them doing it. It's the fact that you have lowered their blood sugar or had an effect of uh, one of these nutrients on their brain function that drives them like wild animals. If I put an electrode in your brain and I stimulate that same center, you will attack whoever's closest to you and you'll try to kill them and you can't stop it. So this is the fact that nutrition can have. They looked at a group of uh, Indians in Peru found that 55% were hypoglycemic. It is the most violent people on earth, this one tribe. And they found it's because they're hypoglycemic. I'll cover that a little bit more later. Now, sugar's not the only thing that can make you hypoglycemic. Aspartame, NutraSweet, 
and monosodium glutamate are both powerful stimulators of insulin release. They will both make you powerfully hypoglycemic. And this is one of the paradoxical things about this sweetener aspartame. It's if you look at the studies, particularly the ones reported to the FDA, one of the big complaints is it causes weight gain. Everybody's drinking it because they think it makes them lose weight. Actually, it makes you gain weight in a lot of people. And that's because it makes you hypoglycemic, and so you tend to eat and snack and nibble, and you gain weight. Monosodium glutamate will do the same thing. Now, the food manufacturers know this. That's why they put so much MSG in food, because it makes you hungry and you, you eat more of their food. And we know that MSG can induce intense rage if you just put minute concentrations in this part of the brain. If you do a little micro-injection, you can make a, a mouse attack a cat. And it can even kill the cat. I mean, it is an intense rage that's almost uncontrollable. Now, when you're hypoglycemic and you add MSG at the same time, you produce a tremendous magnification of this effect. Now, this happens in society all the time. If you go and you, you have a, your soda and you're drinking it, and you're nibbling on some Doritos, which are very high in MSG, that's why they taste so good, and your MSG level, your glutamate level in your blood starts to rise, the glutamate stimulates insulin release, the sugar stimulates insulin release, your blood sugar falls, and in susceptible people, which is a lot of people, you can fall into severe rage. So it's a tremendous effect. And of course, excitotoxicity destroys brain cells. Now, we also know that there are several amino acids can make you severely hypoglycemic. For instance, taurine, glutamine, valine, isoleucine, and leucine. All can produce profound hypoglycemia. In fact, leucine hypoglycemia in children will kill babies. This is a recognized uh, reason for sudden death. Uh, and it can kill adults. Now, in a Finnish study, Verkuken, in 1983, studied violent offenders in prison. And what he found is that the impulsively violent offender, that is, the one who just would attack you out of the blue and beat you senseless or stomp you to death, their blood sugar fell suddenly, and it rose very quickly. So in other words, the blood sugar would fall, and it would come back up quickly. And those were the ones with the most violence. And the antisocial offender, that is, the guy who's going to steal and shoplift, but not necessarily violent, his blood sugar would fall, but then there was a slow rise coming back up. And we know that it's changes in blood sugar that can produce dramatic alterations in brain function and cause these antisocial behaviors. In fact, there were even cases in which uh, we found people would become uh, uh, kleptomaniacs because of high sugar intake. It was an interesting case of a woman who was uh, going to stores stealing like crazy. She got arrested. They found out she was a reactive hypoglycemic. They corrected it, and she never had any more problem uh, with that again. So you can get some rather bizarre be uh, behaviors from this. Uh, Dr. Ron Prenz at the University of Florida, 1980, uh, was the first to study behavioral effects systematically in children to see what it would do to children. And he found that children were eating about 40% of their calories as sugar. And when he looked at the highest uh, sugar consumers, the top 25% of these children, found that they had poor measures on attentiveness. That is, they were very hyperactive. These are the kids that are bouncing off the wall that we go and put on Ritalin. Dr. Jane Goldman, University of Connecticut, 1986, 
She looked at something interesting. She gave the amount of sugar that's equal to what's found in a Coke and found that mental performance by 30 minutes had significantly declined. It had maximized at an hour and that the people drinking the Coke made twice as many mistakes in a test than those who were not drinking Coke. So sugar consumption also has a lot to do with how well you can think. And the harmful effects usually subsided about an hour and a half after they had consumed the, the uh, drink. Now Judith Workman and her husband is a neuroscientist, works mainly with nutrition of the brain at uh, MIT, found there's a strong correlation between sugar intake, behavior, brain, and serotonin function. Well, all these drugs, what we call SSRI drugs, uh, they're the drugs that regulate and make your brain serotonin level go up. Well, unfortunately, in some people, they'll make the serotonin level go down, and these people will commit suicide or they'll commit murder. And these are the, when they looked at all these uh, kids killing people at different schools around the country, like Columbine, all of them were taking these SSR medications, every one of them. So you are making child killers by lowering the serotonin inadvertently, thinking you were going to raise it. Well, we know that serotonin levels is correlated with carbohydrate levels. And you can create killer mice like I was talking about just by lowering brain serotonin levels. And again, looking at the Kuala Indians in the Andes of Peru, they found that the very aggressive ones, and these are people committing rapes, murders, uh, it was a very violent uh, uh, village. 55% of them were hypoglycemic and almost always the one that was doing the killing and the raping and the murdering and such were the, the ones that were most hypoglycemic. Their main diet was potatoes. Well, potatoes is a very powerful hypoglycemic. And how many of you sit around eating potato chips? Potato chips are powerfully hypoglycemic. It's like eating sugar. This may be why the Irish are so mean sometimes. <laughs> and when they looked at the docile males that lived in this same village, they had normal blood sugars. Uh, Egger and Carter, this is a famous study in 1985, looked at 76 hyperactive children and placed them on the low-carbohydrate diet, which also eliminated many of the food diets. And when they did, they found that 82% of the ch uh, children improved on this new diet, and 28% actually returned completely to normal. And these were children that were very hard to control. The highest reaction in terms of the dyes was yellow dye number five, which is tartrazine, and sodium benzoate, which are very common food additives. The most commonly reactive foods were soybeans, and we're in a soy craze in this country. They got to have soy milk, soy this, soy that, and they think it prevents all these diseases, and it doesn't. Cow's milk, 64%, and chocolate, 59%. So the most reactive food was the soybean, which in this country, we're feeding the baby's soybean, we're feeding the mother's soybean, everybody is consuming soy products. This was an interesting study. They looked at college males. And before they uh, enrolled them in the study, they checked to make sure they didn't have any pre-existing psychiatric history, no drug use, and no medical conditions that might affect the outcome of the study. 
And what they did is they gave them a questionnaire and you could answer it in certain ways that would be aggressive or other ways it would be more passive. And they found almost without exception, uh, there was a strong relationship between aggressive type answers and their existence of hypoglycemia. And as we said, uh, serotonin regulates the brain's ability to resist aggressive acts. It's a more calming neurotransmitter, and it's the transmitter most connected with depression and suicide. When it's low, you have high suicide rates. When it's low, you have high depression. When it's low, you have high aggression. Corn is very low in the precursor amino acid that is turned into serotonin in your brain. It's called tryptophan. It's very low in corn flakes, corn starch, corn flour, all these corn products. And so if you're eating a high diet in corn products, your ability of your brain to make this serotonin is significantly reduced. You're more likely to suffer from depression, suicidal tendencies. Tyrosine is the precursor amino acid for neurotransmitter epinephrine, norepinephrine, dopamine in the brain. Dopamine has to do with motivation. Epinephrine, norepinephrine has to do with attention so that you can pay attention and, and concentrate on things. We find that low levels of tyrosine associated with depression and sensitivity to stress. And when you increase tyrosine consumption, it reduces stress. Now, vitamins can have a lot to do with these, these factors as well. For instance, niacin has been known to have a lot to do with mental illness. If you look at uh, the function of niacin, it's uh, one of the energy molecules in the body, niacinamide adenine dinucleotide, NAD. And in pellagra, you develop characteristically psychiatric symptoms. The four Ds, diarrhea, dermatitis, dementia, and death. That's the characteristics of four Ds of pellagra. Subclinical deficiencies are commonly associated with psychiatric symptoms. Niacin, there's a niacin-responsive form of schizophrenia. If you increase their niacin intake, their schizophrenia goes away. Various nutrients are associated with behavior, vitamin C, D, E, K, A, B, uh, the carotenoids, all of these associated with brain function, uh, have behavioral manifestations if they're deficient. Uh, B1 deficiency, thiamine associated with beriberi. You have insomnia, memory uh, failure, depression, chronic fatigue, personality change is a characteristic of beriberi. And again, we see subclinical deficiencies in uh, the United States. If you're consuming a lot of carbohydrates, it depletes your vitamin B1. So that's how you end up with a thiamine deficiency in the United States. And it's closely connected to magnesium deficiencies. Now, a national survey of uh, adolescents in this country found that 60% were deficient in iron, 57% in vitamin A, 43% in C, 39% in vitamin B1, 30% in protein, and 16% in riboflavin. So being an advanced industrial nation, we sure have a lot of deficiencies and critical nutrients that operate the brain, that controls your behavior. So these are not uncommon problems. Now in this study, probably one of the largest ever done, they looked at 1.1 million New York public school children to see the effect of giving just a single multivitamin, not even a very well formulated multivitamin, but a single multiple vitamin and the effect on the CAT scores. And this is what they found. The black bars here are on a 
the regular diet that most of these children eat. Year by year, the uh, CAT scores hardly change. And this boy, what they did is they took these children, and some of them they uh, took off of sugar and just a few of the dyes that were involved in the foods. They had a dramatic increase in the CAT score. Then the next year, what they did is they removed some more of the food dyes. They had an even greater increase in the CAT score. The next year, they didn't change anything. They just kept them on this diet, and it held steady. And then in this one, they took out some more food additives, and they found it went up even higher. So we see there's a profound influence on your ability to function intellectually just by changing diet. And most of what you do is detrimental to your ability to learn and remember and think and cognitively function. And a lot of these things we're saying are marginal deficiencies. They're not severely deficient. They're just marginally deficient. Tucker uh, is one of the more famous uh, studies done, which was done in 1990. He found a deficiency in thiamine and riboflavin not only impaired neuropsychological function, but could produce altered EEG patterns as well. Just two vitamins. He looked at 260 adults over 60 years of age and found an association between the status of vitamin C, riboflavin, B12, folic acid, and concept learning, which is one of the more sensitive measures of brain function. So the brain is very sensitive to these deficiencies. Carotene showed a stronger correlation than did vitamin A. And you know, carotene is converted into the body to vitamin A but carotene itself has different functions than vitamin A. Now this is something that a lot of people don't think about and physicians know almost nothing about, and that's, that's food allergies affecting the brain. We call them brain allergies. And a lot more people are allergic to foods than know it, because you generally think, well, if I'm allergic to a food, it's gonna give me stomach cramps or a swell up or, or itch, but most food allergies have Subtle symptoms, some have purely neurological symptoms. Now what happens is when you're eating these uh, foods that you're allergic to, they enter your bloodstream as whole food components, which you're not supposed to do. And that's because there's little holes in your GI tract. When these food components get into your blood, your immune system recognizes it and you get an immune reaction. And that intense immune reaction also goes on in the brain. So that the brain's immune system is also activated, it releases toxic components, including glutamate, and that's what causes the neurological dysfunction. And you can get all kinds of symptoms from food-triggered immune reactions. Lethargy, stupor, disorientation, paranoia, delusions, hallucinations, agitation, rage, panic attacks, criminal behavior, and even seizures. And one of the interesting connections with food allergies is schizophrenia. I met a researcher from Sweden, and he was doing some primary research in this, which was very interesting. And they found that schizophrenics, 88% were allergic to wheat, 60% to milk, 50% to corn, 100% of them are allergic to either gliadin or gluten, which is added to breads and pastries and stuff. It's in almost all the breads. It's, it's, it's part of the wheat product. Uh, 
All of them are allergic to gluten and gliadin. So what he did is in this big psychiatric hospital, he took the, uh, one group of schizophrenics and he put them on a diet completely free of gliadin and gluten. Almost all of them returned completely to normal. And as long as they avoided gliadin and gluten, they were normal. When they got back on it, even a small amount of it, they were fully schizophrenic again and had to be hospitalized. Case after case after case. So it shows that this can have a terrible effect on brain function and could end up in a mental institute. Now, ironically, food allergies often make you crave the very food you're allergic to. So you see people are allergic to a food, and that's what they want to eat. They'll eat it and eat it and eat it, and of course, every time they do, they get sick. And I, I don't know how many people we've had that complained of, of unable to think and cloudy thinking, and you found a food allergy, took them off the food, and they're just amazed. They say, I can't believe how clearly I can think now. So these are profound effects. And this has all been worked out uh, in the laboratory. We can demonstrate this. We know the immune cytokines that actually do it. The same effect happens with over-vaccination. And this is why vaccinating kids with so many vaccines is producing all these neurological effects. ADD, ADHD, autism, is because when you vaccinate a kid, you not only activate his immune system where you vaccinate him, but you turn on the brain's immune system, just like the food allergy, with one major difference, is that when you inject him with a vaccine, the immune reaction goes on for years, nonstop. And so that kid has an inflamed brain that will not calm down, and that's what produces this brain dysfunction. And this has been shown numerous times in every kind of study you can imagine. And there is a connection between food allergies and hypoglycemia. A lot of people who develop these allergies will become hypoglycemic. Now, what are the leading foods that cause food allergies? Milk is a major offender, cow's milk. And they looked at juvenile offenders and found out that the uh, juvenile offenders drank the most milk. Uh, wheat, corn, coffee, eggs, potatoes, peanuts, and soy. And most people don't know that soy is a leading candidate for food allergy, and we have just millions of people drinking and eating as much soy as they possibly can because they've been misled into thinking it prevents breast cancer and prostate cancer, which there is no firm evidence it does, but there is evidence that soy will make breast cancers grow faster. We also know just the type of fat that you consume can have a lot to do with learning. If you eat animal fats in high proportions, it interferes with the ability to learn and remember. And it's because we think that the saturated fats, what they're doing is not only does the fat uh, interfere with the receptors on the, the uh, synapses in the brain, but that there's toxins in the uh, fats as well. Now, the omega-3 fats do just the opposite. They improve depression, memory retention, thinking, and they've even been shown to improve schizophrenia. And that's because the brain uses an enormous amount of omega-3 fatty acids for its membranes. DHA uh, makes up about 50% of all the membranes of the nervous system. The eye also has a tremendous amount of DHA. And there's a lot of new studies that are showing eye diseases improve with increased intake of omega-3 fatty acids, particularly the DHA component. So omega-3 fatty acids are very impressive. 
And they, uh, you know, you may have heard that uh, they're changing formulas, putting DHA and arachidonic acid in formula for the babies. And that babies who have this in their milk or in their formula are much brighter and have better vision than those that you don't. So now most of the food, the baby food manufacturers are starting to put it in there. Well, we knew this 20 years ago. The Europeans have been putting DHA and arachidonic acid in their baby formulas for 20 years. It's only recently that the American manufacturers started to do it. And there were just thousands of studies proving this before you could finally beat them over the head enough to make them do it. Now, one thing about animal fats is the animal is out grazing, exposed to all sorts of toxins. They absorb pesticides, industrial chemical, and herbicides, and it's stored in the fat, because these are mostly fat-soluble. The brain is 60% fat. It has one of the highest fat contents of any organ. So it tends to retain these things for a lifetime, and even in minute doses can have uh, tremendous effects on neurological function. The DHA is so, that's one of the components of omega-3 fats, you know, types of fats in fish oil. They found that if it's low in brain cells, uh, it's correlated with violent behavior as well. And it's interesting, alcoholism causes a fall in the DHA level in the brain. And as we said, the MSG can do that. When DHA is low and you expose the MSG, it dramatically increases violent activity. Lead is known to significantly increase aggression, suicide rates, violent behavior. Study that was done, I think it was in Michigan, had something like 380,000 school children. They found that even a slight increase in lead levels produced horrendous rates of violent crime and arrest uh, of adolescents. So lead in very small concentrations can cause a profound alteration in brain function. So to summarize and finish up, there's a lot of things that you need to know about brain function and food, what you eat. You, know, you need to know in terms of your regular diet that the fats make a lot of difference. The omega-3 fats, which are your N3 fats, are the most important. And the ratio of the uh, N6 fats, that's things like corn oil, safflower oil, sunflower oil, peanut oil, canola oil. Uh, the ratio of these two oils is very important. And what's happened since the uh, turn of the uh, 19th century is that we've gone from a ratio of about one to two or one to three, all the way now it's like a, a, a one to 46 or one to 20 ratio. So we're getting way too many omega-6 fats and not enough omega-3 fats. Result being we're terribly altering brain function. Uh, carbohydrate intake, we talked about proteins, fruits, and vegetables are your antioxidants. They're very powerful antioxidants. Uh, your antioxidant over, uh, intake overall, vitamins, minerals, flavonoids, and thiols, that's special things like alpha-lipoic acid and glutathione, are very important protectants, not only the brain, but every cell in your body. Your balance of your hormones, testosterone, estrogen, thyroid, can make a lot of difference. Artificial estrogen is brain toxic. Natural estrogen is brain protective. So when you see these studies appear in the paper, say, well, we saw increased stroke and we saw increased dementia with estrogen replacement. They were using artificial estrogens, which produce about a half a dozen brain neurotoxins. Uh, so when you go get your Premarin from your doctor, he's giving you a brain toxin. Uh, your thyroid function makes a lot of difference, particularly in pregnant women. There's a new call out 
that every pregnant woman should have thyroid function tests done. And that's because even marginal deficiencies in thyroid function can result in permanent deficiencies in the baby's brain that are unrepairable. So you have to know what your thyroid function is before you have a baby. Uh, environmental toxins are critically important. Aluminum, mercury, lead, cadmium, fluoride, MSG, aspartame, pesticide, herbicides, industrial solvents, food dyes, and excessive vaccination. All of these things play a profound role in brain function, brain toxicity, and your behavior. These aren't minor things. And the other things, these are additive and synergistic effects. If you look at the average person's exposure, what they're exposed to is every one of these, and some in very high levels. So this isn't, you know, you don't say, well, I, I'm not around pesticide. Well, you are. There's no one on Earth. And they measured pesticide levels in the North Pole. They found it up there. Uh, everywhere on Earth now has pesticide levels and herbicide levels. And we're beginning to find that a lot of these agents can produce profound neurological effects that have nothing to do with the enzyme they're supposed to affect in the, uh, the bugs. Uh, it's a different effect. So I think I'll hold uh, it there. Welcome back. You've been listening to Dr. Russell Blaylock, and on uh, this is Liberation Station. That was Dr. Russell Blaylock speaking about how nutrigenomics or the study of uh, nutrition and behavior and uh, how nutrition enhances our genetic expression uh, can uh, help prevent criminality and, and recidivism and, uh, of course, uh, lift spirits as well. We'll be talking about that uh, into the next hour. The call-in lines are 727-441-3000 in Pinellas County. That's 771, pardon me, 727 441 3000 and toll free 1-866-826-1340 866-826-1340 the website is liberationstation.weebly.com weebly is spelled w-e-e-b as in boy l-y liberationstation.weebly.com and uh, we'll be talking into the next hour of course about uh, fighting despair with nutrition and uh, these uh, different conditions that are caused, uh, what causes hypoglycemia and uh, what uh, kind of behavior would you expect to find in somebody who is hypoglycemic and perhaps how to reverse that. Some supplements such as colostrum, which may be helpful. And uh, we'll also be talking about uh, John Holdren, who is Obama's new science and technology czar. And he wrote in a book which he co-authored in 1977. We'll be discussing his uh, eugenic stance, his encouraging of uh, forced abortions or mass sterilization or implantation of conception devices or anti-conception devices that would be removed on a temporary basis once one presumably gets permission from the fatherland to breed. And uh, in many other ways, that uh, totalitarian ways, he thinks uh, would are these solutions to saving the planet, even uh, spraying chemtrails and pollution, pollutants in the air. He recommends, and we'll get to reading some of his quotes. Uh, that's John Holdren's Obama's new science uh, czar, science and technology czar. 
Uh, what else can we talk about? Uh, we will talk about the uh, PASS Act, that, uh, that's uh, S. Senate Bill 1261. And uh, we'll also talk a little bit about the hate bill. Uh, hopefully we'll get around to, to all these topics. On uh, the last few moments here of this hour, uh, how much time do we have left in this hour? 30 seconds. Uh, just a little bit of time here, then we'll uh, just save that for the next hour and uh, talk a little bit um, about some of the uh, things that colostrum might be good for as one of the uh, miracle cures, in my opinion. Only in my opinion. But uh, we'll get uh, to all those subjects next here on Liberation Station. 727-441-3000 in Pinellas. 866-826-1340. Toll free. What you do and feed your child is, is, uh, even in utero. WTAN, Clearwater, Tampa, St. Petersburg. WDCF, Dade City, Zephyr Hills, Wesley Chapel. CNN Radio, I'm April Williams. Supreme Court nominee Sonia Sotomayor faces her final day of questioning before a decision is made on her confirmation. CNN's Lisa Desjardins reports the judge has a top Republican in her corner. The next Supreme Court justice could be on the court in August. A fast track for Sonia Sotomayor that is virtually guaranteed after the words of ranking Republican Jeff Sessions. I don't think any member of this side will support a a filibuster or any attempt to block a vote on your nomination. Republicans probably don't have the votes for that filibuster, so it was really Sessions' next statement that made news. I look forward to you getting that vote before we recess in August. Until now, he and Republicans have loudly pushed against an August vote, but it seems Sotomayor's performance changed that. Lisa Desjardins, CNN, Capitol Hill. President Obama helped the NAACP celebrate its 100th anniversary in New York tonight as the key speaker. Prejudice has no place in the United States of America. The president talked about how his administration is working to improve education for all Americans. Former Treasury Secretary Henry Paulson was in the hot seat today before Congress. He testified for the first time since leaving office, defending his role in salvaging a controversial deal during the banking panic last fall. Paulson says he felt it was his job to do what he could to save the merger between Bank of America and Merrill Lynch after it started to come undone. The FBI arrested a man in San Diego when his cruise ship docked. We've charged uh, an individual, the husband, his name is Robert McGill. Uh, He's been charged with murder on the high seas uh, aboard that ship for the death of his wife, Shirley McGill. Special agent in charge Keith Slaughter says it's unclear how the woman died. A developing story out of Indonesia. An explosion ripped through the Ritz-Carlton Hotel in Jakarta. A second bomb has just gone off at a Marriott. The most trusted name in news, this is CNN Radio. Have you ever listened to a talk radio show and said, I could do that? Well, you're right. You can. Right here on the Tantalk Radio Network. Your Tantalk program will include a professional engineer to handle every technical aspect of your program. Professional talk and recording studios. Four telephone lines to take live call-ins and conduct live interviews. Even the ability to do live remote broadcasts. Not only will your program be aired locally in Tampa Bay, you'll be streamed live worldwide across the internet in audio and video. When you sign off, you'll receive an audio CD or MP3 copy of your program, which can be duplicated and distributed. In addition, you can archive and podcast this copy of your program on the internet for download and playback. Ready to explore the exciting world of talk radio? Here's the next step. 
Hey, Tampa Bay, listen up. You can have a one-hour program on the TamTalk radio network for less than the cost of one 60-second announcement on many local radio stations. We will put your program on two stations in Tampa Bay, AM 1340 and AM 1350. The cost? Less than a 60-second announcement on many Tampa Bay stations. Get the facts by calling Lola Jean, the broadcast queen, at 727-510-7622. That's 727 area code 510-7622. Call 510-7622 now and reserve your TanTalk network program. Since your features are more angular, I want to layer the top and taper the sides, giving your cut a more natural drape. I think you'll like it. Now it's easy to spot the good guys. People who do such a super job, you'd swear they wore superhero capes. To eliminate dryness, I'll massage in some hot jojoba oil. Introducing the Super Guarantee from SuperPages.com. A dab of finishing mousse, and you're done. What do you think? From dog groomers to painters, we're so confident in these super businesses, we're willing to stand behind their services. You're right. A little more off the ears. Sign up for free at superpages.com. Then next time, feel good knowing you found a business whose work is backed by the super guarantee. You'll get the job done right, or we'll step in and help to make it right. The super guarantee, only from superpages.com. To use the super guarantee, visit superpages.com today. Find a guaranteed business, then register online. It's easy and free. Complete details of participation in the guarantee program can be found online at superguarantee.com. Over the last five years, the Dow Jones down 16%, 10-year treasuries down 8%, real estate down 10%. Well, I know how you can triple your money. No joke. To find out how, go to LeeClark.info, LeeClark.info, and listen to Lee at his new time, Sunday evening at 7. That's 7 p.m. Sunday. Thank you, and good luck. Hey, have you been frustrated trying to get rid of that belly bulge? Well, you're not alone. We Americans are the most overweight and obese people in the world. Tune in to Burn Fat Talk Radio with Dr. Mary Reagan and Dr. Kim Baptista at its new time, Wednesday night at 9. You'll learn about a gradual series of small changes that over time will not only melt away that stubborn fat, but strengthen stamina and drastically improve your health. Check out Burn Fat Talk Radio at its new time, Wednesday night at 9. And in a year, you could be a whole new you. Hi, I'm PC, your predictably correct morning radio guy. And he's... Uh, not PC. He's Imus. You know, my brand of morning radio is cheerful and jokey. What's your brand? Imus. But what's your brand? Well, he asks people awkward questions and they try to avoid answering. It's fun. But see, listeners really need to feel your brand. Feel this. Imus, hotter than ever. Are you crazy? Heard the new Imus lately? On the stations of the Tantalk Network. Catch Imus in the morning right here. The Federal Reserve is the private banking cartel, which is in charge of the U.S. monetary system. Listen to Thomas Jefferson as he gives a warning of what this institution will give to the United States of America. If the American people ever allow private banks to control the issue of their currency, first by inflation, then by deflation, the banks, which grow up and around them, will deprive the people of all of their property until their children wake up homeless on the continent their fathers conquered. Listen weekdays 9 to 10 for more details. 
This is Wayne Walton with the RedPillRadio.com. Our constitutional republic is under attack by globalist central bankers. During the Katrina tragedy, U.S. citizens were subjected to a gun roundup and a blockade of New Orleans. Unalienable rights given by God were suspended by the globalist George Bush. Oath Keepers is an association of currently serving military veterans and peace officers who will fulfill their oath to the Constitution against all enemies foreign and domestic. Go to OathKeepers.org to reaffirm your oath to the Constitution, not to tyrants. And welcome back to Liberation Station. This is Chris Steiner, your host, and I have in the studio here with me Steve and his father, Tom. How are you doing, Steve and Tom? We're doing well. Oh, good to see you again. Hey. And we're just uh, going to talk a little bit more and uh, get some com- some of your commentary on the uh, clip that we just heard from Dr. Russell Blaylock, Nutrition and Behavior, and uh, find out uh, where we can uh, connect the dots, uh, where we can go with some of this information that, that he gave us. Uh, it's really amazing, some of the information that, uh, that he presented that, that a lot of these... Uh, uh, a lot of these nutritional deficiencies can cause diabetes or hypoglycemia, which in turn uh, makes one want to commit crimes or makes one uh, suspicious or paranoid, uh, schizophrenic. And uh, it's due to numerous nutritional deficiencies and uh, the combination of which can uh, be, be even worse. Uh, now, where to begin? Uh, where would we begin on, on um, how, do, how would we get some of our, uh, how would we combat some of these uh, deficiencies and, and uh, eliminate some of these toxins like MSG and aspartame that he mentioned? So uh, we want to get the natural and, and uh, do away with the synthetic, get uh, higher vibrations of uh, uh, food, food that has a higher vibration, which would be the natural Anything that uh, comes out of the ground and was grown, um, anything that uh, that is green, pretty much is a is going to be a higher vibration than um, anything synthetic. Uh, there's there's really nothing nutritional about um, any any of these synthetic drugs. So it's not really accurate if if somebody thinks that they need their anti-anxiety medication because uh, there is no such thing as an Xanax deficiency. Maybe a be complex deficiency, but certainly not a anti-anxiety medication deficiency. Um, now, um, let me collect my thoughts here for one moment. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about uh, about colostrum. That um, that's a miracle supplement that I, I really think is a, a great cure-all, and I've been taking it for many years. Uh, I've read a, a couple of books on it. Uh, Colostrum, Nature's Gift to the Immune System by Beth M. Lay, spelled L-E-Y. Colostrum, Nature's Gift to the Immune System by Beth M. Lay. And uh, Colostrum, Life's First Food, the Ultimate Anti-Aging, Weight Loss, and Immune Supplement by Daniel G. Clark, M.D., and K. Wyatt. K is spelled K-A-Y-E, Wyatt is her last name. And it's amazing the uh, the the list of all of the suppl- uh, the list of all of the uh, conditions and diseases that this one supplement, this one um, food, this one miracle food, is uh, is clinically proven to be effective against. 
And uh, I'll, I'll tell you what colostrum is in just a moment, but first uh, perhaps you'd want to hear what uh, kind of things it's good for. According to these two books uh, that are just packed full of, of uh, clinical studies, diseases that colostrum or conditions that colostrum can address are those such as Addison's disease, AIDS and HIV, allergies, acne, alcoholism, anemia, both uh, pernicious and he- heolytic, arthritis, chronic, juvenile, rheumatoid, and osteoarthritis, asthma, autism, bullous pamphagoid, oh gosh, that's an awful one and uh, to pronounce, and many types of cancers, candida albicans, uh, candidiasis, or a yeast infection, chemical sensitivities, cholera infection, chronic fatigue syndrome, clostridium difficile infection, Crohn's disease, cryptosporidium parvum infection, cystic fibrosis, cytomegalovirus, or HCMV, dermatitis, diabetes mellitus, both type, uh, there's both types one and two that colostrum is effective against, E. coli infection, endometriosis, Epstein-Barr syndrome, also known as chronic infection, uh, chronic infectious mononucleosis, glaucoma, Graves disease, which is um, a a disease in which the the thyroid-stimulating hormone receptors are destroyed. So uh, there are a lot of us going around with a lot of thyroid problems, uh, metabolic problems, uh, often due to uh, the the prevalence of these halogens, like the uh, we've talked about in the past, the the um, the fluoride and the bromine and the chlorine, which compete for absorption for uh, iodine in your system, so it causes your thyroid to malfunction. Colostrum has also been proven effective against Guillain-Barré syndrome. Hashimoto's thyroiditis, hepatitis, all kinds of hepatitis. It is a very anti, uh, anti, antiviral supplement, so it's effective against many types of viri. It's also effective against the herpes simplex viri. It's a, good for hyperactivity. Infectious enterocolitis, inflammatory bowel disease, irritable bowel syndrome, Kawasaki syndrome, leaky gut syndrome, Lupus erith, uh, erith uh, ma- pardon me, lupus, uh, just uh, generally as lupus, uh, known as lupus, but uh, the full name is lupus erythematosus. And uh, that's an uh, autoimmune disease where the DNA, the blood vessels, skin, and kidneys are destroyed. Uh, and it's all, colostrum is also good for, um, as, we'll co- uh, as I'm covering some um, autoimmune diseases like multiple sclerosis and uh, uh, some of these other um, autoimmune diseases. Uh, gosh, I, I lost my page here. But uh, yes, multiple sclerosis and lupus, uh, chronic fatigue syndrome are, are all related. And, uh, and the reason the colostrum is so good for these is that Colostrum is an immune modulator so that if you need your immune system kicked up uh, due to an infection, for example, then uh, colostrum is able to help your body uh, boost its its antibodies, uh, boost its uh, immune cells. And if you have an autoimmune system where you, uh, your immune system is overstimulated and uh, attacking its, uh, the body is attacking itself, then colostrum is good for toning down the immune system. So it's a great immune modulator. 
And colostrum has also been proven effective against leaky gut syndrome. I mentioned that. Uh, Lyme disease, multiple sclerosis, myasthenia gravis, neutropenia, pancreatitis, parasite uh, reduction or reduction of various parasites, polio uh, for prophylaxis, psoriasis, rheumatic fever, rotavirus gastroenteritis, salmonella infection, scleroderma, thrombocytopenia, ulcers, and, uh, oh gosh, Addison's disease. Um, Making sure I I didn't miss any on my on my very quickly compiled list here from these two books, uh, glaucoma. Uh, it's great for uh, it's also proven effective for glaucoma. Alcoholism, I mentioned that, and uh, and uh, I noticed it's very good when I uh, whenever I have a, a sore or a cut, I get road rash and. And uh, I, I get a say I get a big infection. Well, uh, I'll put a little bit of colostrum in there. And uh, if I have an infection already, it'll take it out. Or if I've just gotten a cut, within two or three hours, I've noticed, I, after making a, a paste out of the colostrum, uh, just adding a little bit of water to the powder and putting that in the cut, I notice that the dead skin will just fall off and the, the wound will just close right in. And uh, I've never had an infection problem once I put colostrum in right away. Uh, once I even had my um, the skin of my toe taken off about two years ago, uh, one of my small toes, and um, it was some kind of infection that was not determined. But um, nevertheless, I had to go to the emergency room to have the the toes, the skin taken off of the small toe. And uh, it was amazing that I put colostrum on there every day for a week, and after a week, all of the skin was grown back, and except for a tiny little spot on the very end of the tip of the toe. Maybe one or two layers of skin had not grown back there yet, but you could tell it was just about done. So uh, colostrum is great whenever you have, um, uh, I've found it great whenever I have have some kind of a, a cut or a wound, and um, it'll just speed the healings just incredibly. Uh, now, what is colostrum? Uh, colostrum is the um, pre-milk fluid. It's, it's the uh, milk that... Uh, not the milk. It, it should not be confused with milk. It's a pre-milk fluid that's full of antibodies, growth factors, immune factors that uh, are passed on to the young. And uh, all mammals put out colostrum within the first 24 or 48 hours after giving birth. And uh, the purpose of it is to give a, a good jump start to the offspring. Now, um, cow's colostrum is what I take, and that's what's sold on the market, bovine colostrum. And uh, and uh, and this is from cows, of course. So one might ask, well, is it compatible? And it certainly is, except for one molecule uh, that is broken down, and uh, in the stomach and uh, the stomach acids, your your hydrochloric acid in your stomach will break that down in half to be recognized like a human colostrum. So your body can't discern the difference. However, cow colostrum has a much higher level of uh, immune factors and growth factors because the, uh, the baby cow, the calf, depends on the, on the colostrum much more on, and on the mother's milk much more uh, than humans do because humans get most of their immunity uh, through the placenta before birth and cows get most of it after birth, uh, thus the much higher levels of uh, growth factors and immune factors, and uh, that's why it's, it's so good for us. So uh, what do you think so far of, of everything I've told you?
Uh, Steve or, or Tom, did you, did you hear anything new, or was that anything that might have shocked you? Yeah, I've never heard of that before. That's pretty incredible, especially the healing. I've never uh, known anything about uh, colostrum being so well, uh, so good for healing. I've used tuning forks to heal, but I've never heard of uh, nutrition nutritional waste, especially something so uh, readily available. Yeah, yeah, it's all over the place, and uh, it's just waiting to be milked. <laughs> and breast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just fresh. And well, it's it's amazing that uh, they don't allow us to have raw milk or um, not for human use anyway. And uh, you know, you have to say that it's just for pet use. I guess we're all somebody's pet, but yeah. <laughs> but you just got uh, sooner or later. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's an, it's not quite inevitable, but. Uh, like we just pretend to be, <laughs> just so we can drink the milk. And how did how did you like the milk that you just uh, you just bought it up the street here at Nature's Food Patch? You just uh, got turned on to raw goat milk recently. Yeah, they they have a pretty uh, pretty large uh, uh, amount of it. You can get it in a gallon now, and it's 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 pretty good. It's it uh, the the cheese is a little tougher to take uh, for the average person who's used to cow's milk, but the uh, the goat's milk is uh, is has very little um what is it gamey flavor to it. it's very good yeah it hasn't been uh cultured <laughs> yeah, too far been, yeah the cultured mm-hmm. stuff's pretty uh pretty wicked <laughs> yeah yeah it is i've drank it i've drank it before yeah, because so it's so expensive i don't want it to go to waste but i've never had any problem <laughs> even if it does taste a little bit gamey though i do try to get it maybe a, a, a week before the expiration just to avoid that taste because i, I don't really enjoy it but <laughs> yeah but it's still not that bad i guess it's just uh, extra good bacteria i suppose <laughs> i hope <laughs> yeah when it gets close to the expiration just throw it in a smoothie <laughs> yeah yeah great idea cover that up yeah throw it in some coffee sometimes i do I use it for baking would that help yeah well that would kill the bacteria yeah. for sure but um it has a nice smooth creamy taste well, I forgot to give out the phone numbers. I would love, would love to hear what you have to say if you have any miracle supplements to add or anything uh, to add or comment on the last hour nutrition and behavior that uh, Dr. Russell Blaylock delivered. His website is russellblaylockmd.com. And the call-in lines here in Pinellas County is 727-441-3000. That's 727-441-3000. Toll-free, 866-826-1340. That's 866-TAN-1340. And the all-tell free call is star-1340. And the website for the show is liberationstation.weebly.com. And Weebly is spelled W-E-E-B-L-Y. W-E-E-B as in ball, L-Y, just to make sure you can get there until we switch over to a more appropriate website. And uh, and um, what did you think about, uh, Steve or, or Tom, what did you think about the, what Dr. Russell Blaylock had to say the last hour? Uh, is there anything that really struck you? Uh, well, there's, there's a lot I didn't know that he put up for statistics. I've, I've known that, you know, nutrition is directly linked to the disease of the mind and and what I mean, my mother has has gone into schizophrenia, and her diet's exactly what he talks about. And it's definitely the gluten, definitely the sugar. She's just addicted to those, and it's very, uh, very incredible that we actually, how should I say it? We actually are addicted to what is bad for us. And I've noticed yeah. that in my own life. And and recently, I had the greatest. Uh, uh, 
how should I put it? The revelation. Uh, yeah, greatest revelation when I got back from a, a seminar and doing qigong and and hmm. and all my a lot of my addictions were gone. I just didn't want it anymore. I was like and it, and it shows that if we do actually consume the foods we should be consuming and learn our mm-hmm. learn how to uh, to breathe better, our body will get past those addictions and start a new addiction onto a food that we do uh, actually need. Exactly. You get addicted to this natural high, yeah. the things that give you the natural high. Yeah, the foods will taste better. The foods that you think are disgusting at first, when, when, when we're grown on sugar and soy and everything else they put us on when we're young, uh, and you finally get onto good foods for a little while, you'll find that they'll start jumping out at you and you'll start craving them. Because you like that the feeling that it gives you, right? Well, not only the feeling, but the taste. The taste changes to your receptors. Your receptors mm-hmm. become like. Uh, I guess you have different bacteria in your gut asking for that food. Your whole system changes over time. Yeah, so you become more more calibrated, and uh, and it's kind of like I think of it kind of like. Uh, when you're fed a constant, it's it's kind of like uh, the saying: when you're fed a constant diet of lies, the truth tastes funny. <laughs> well, when you're fed a constant diet of synthetic and uh, synthetic compounds of sucralose or aspartame and chemicals, and and when you finally eat, eat something that tastes uh, that's natural, it, it the taste is a little bit different to start off with because it sounds like uh, you're it seems like you're recalibrating or resynchronizing really with with nature. You know, that just shows that the body likes what you eat. It can learn to like anything, even the chemicals, if you eat them long enough. Yeah, yeah, setting that pattern, you're right. It just takes a little bit of um, a little bit of willpower to, to break that pattern that we get into sometimes because, uh, you know, we, we really do want to feel happy and, and feel good uh, and, and experience a higher level of efficiency. We want to feel... Um, we want to feel invigorated and exhilarated in order to, uh, in order to just function and uh, and um, want to excel. Uh, because uh, if if we're not able to even give ourselves the, the very basics, we're not going to we're not going to uh, do the things. We're not going to dream, and we're not going to even live up to um, our own uh, promises. Sometimes we're going to people will start breaking their word because they maybe feel paranoid or they feel like they've been wronged and uh and it becomes difficult for some people to handle the stress to to identify who their their true allies are and their true friends and and uh and maybe their adversaries everybody has them but to see them everywhere is very disturbing to me and i think it's it's caused by so many additives in the food and uh, deficiencies and uh, genetically modified food too but uh, it's it's so great to feel fascinated by the world like people like you are and uh, and rather than being distracted by the the mundane day to day you know without being in love with learning uh, i don't know how what kind of a life that would be looking back i i know that uh, i used to not eat as well but uh, looking back i can see how much god has improved in my life yeah i've i've actually uh, noticed uh, something that's I just remembered back to when I was younger, and uh, and uh, I had my first beer, and I didn't like the taste of beer at all. But when you when you look at yourself now and you try a beer, a lot of people crave beer after they've had it for a number of months, 
you know, in our life. And it's like, well, how'd that happen? Well, it's the same thing with every bit of food. You just have to have faith and actually keep eating the food you don't like. And as soon as you uh, do that for a few weeks, it's going to be to where you crave it, to where it actually has a certain mystique to it where you're like, I'm looking for that. When you go to the store, you're like, that's what I want. It's in the vegetable aisle and it's not, you know, it's in the, it's, right. I it's know not I'm in those middle lanes, you know, with the processed goods. Exactly. I'm always wanting to pick up a fresh bag of spinach or arugula just to eat it out of the bag like a bag of chips like I used to. <laughs> People think that's rather strange, but uh, I'm sorry. It's it's very uh, hmm. it's very uh, satisfying to just, just eat greens like that or sprouts. Uh, I mean, it might not be filling, but it's very enlivening and very awakening. Yeah, your 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 vision be just becomes more bright. Everything about you just feels like you're on a high, and you'll feel like yeah, like you just want to go out and conquer the world, you know, in whatever that it it is that you love to do. Then you know that you can. It doesn't seem like things can hold you back, uh, even though there's there's so much going on in the world. You you're able to handle it. And you're able to address and identify the the priority threats and uh, identify the answers and and uh, move on. And, but uh, rather than following somebody else and you know feeling like somebody else will have to look out for you because you're just not well enough to well that doesn't that doesn't really cut it with me uh, because I, I see so many avenues of attack that we need to defend against that uh, that um, you know just trying to become healthy has allowed me to become more um, more happy and more uh, it just uh, it's just amazing how much how far you can excel and I, I see the same uh, I can see the same for a lot of friends of mine like yourself and and a lot of people who are more motivated in in the um, in helping others and that's really where it comes from too yeah I myself have uh, had a great deal of experience in this area of conquering different diseases of the mind like depression or anxiety or uh, even diseases of the body, such as a lot uh, overweight, uh, or in my case, I was even obese. And it's just like, I don't have those problems anymore now that I've trained myself to eat the better foods more often than I do the the sweets or whatnot, what we normally find in America today. Yeah, yeah. So there's hope. So you, I didn't know that about you. How much uh, have you lost? I was actually up to 240, and I'm now down to about 170. And I've wow. kept it off for about five years. I've never, ever gone over at 180, 185. And it's, and it's always just, you know, moved around the weight depending on my uh, uh, level of activity or whether my body needed the weight for a certain amount of time because I was, you know, working harder. But Yeah, yeah, that's excellent. Congratulations. You did great. Yeah. <laughs> I would never have been able to tell because it looks to me like, uh, well, you're about my build and... <laughs> And uh, and it looks like you've you know just kicked butt move, helping me move today. Yeah, so. yeah. And that, you <laughs> can't do that when you're uh, depressed. You can't help someone move out of a place in two days and you know <laughs> right. five, six, eight hours a day. That it's not a very uh, um, it's not something you love to do is move move place to place. That's that's tough to do too. No, it's stressful it, enough as it, it is. But yeah. you just really went at it. You yeah. and your father there. Tom, thanks. Appreciate that. Oh, uh, just the stress of, in, in hindsight feels so much better. i got to just say on the air one more time. I appreciate it. But, uh, yeah, thank you so much for, for being so helpful in and, uh, and, uh, so many different ways also. And um, Is there anything else that you, you took away from um, 
Dr. Russell Blaylock's uh, last hour address, Tom? Yes, there is. Uh, the most common thing I hear at work is, oh, I'm so tired today. I'm just fatigued. But I'm like 66 years old, and the people that are saying this are in their 20s, 30s, and 40s. And I get through the day usually as good or better than they do, and I don't feel fatigued. I feel tired sometimes because I have a lack of sleep at night sometimes, but I do not feel that, that real uh, raw fatigue that they keep complaining about because I don't have all those chemical additives I feel drawing me down. You know. So when you get home, how do you feel when you get home from a hard day's work? Sometimes I feel like taking a nap. But I don't. That's natural. I don't feel fatigued to where I can't go out and walk three miles at night and things like that. Yeah, when you get home at 8 p.m. or 9 p.m., you tend to just want to go to sleep. That's your natural body rhythm. When as soon as you see the sun go down, you want to go to sleep. Yeah. Especially after a long day, like even today. Exactly. I think I'd rather be in bed. Yeah, I know. I know, but this is a labor of love, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so thanks for being here. Yeah, I'm amazed of it. We're so. Um, lucid i guess it might be the word because we're so exhausted uh, after having moved but um supplements helps with that too and uh, it's really just a, a miracle that i uh, was able to make it in today but of course dr russell blaylock helped out a lot and i'm so <laughs> glad for that <laughs> i was meaning to play that all this time that's for such, quite a while yeah that's such an incredible amount of information i've i've never known a lot of that I've, i i you know once saw the the film supersize me and that had a had a great example of what food can do to the youth when you actually change their diet and how the worst people in society in the in the school system are actually can become the most uh, uh, obedient uh, and I say obedient not as in like <laughs> like we should be obedient to anyone Subservient, but, follow but the they're, leader they're, easily they're, led yeah, yeah they're just doing they're just learning and they love to learn so they're they're being uh, respectful to their teachers. He might oh, want to pardon turn me that off. I put that on silent. <laughs> but oh, it must be defective. I need a new one. Okay, <laughs> sorry yeah. about that. <laughs> but yeah, it's just incredible to see the transformation in kids. And yeah, and I mean, I was just at a uh, Qigong seminar, just watching people come in for a four-day seminar, and each day you see a larger and larger percentage of the people with these just blooming smiles on their face, rosy cheeks. They just they come up to you and they say thank you and they're so happy that they they got to experience learning how to breathe and learning how to eat better it's just incredible how much a higher energy diet and learning how to breathe in that higher energy as well can do to, to uh, our systems oxygenate the body yeah oxygenate the body simple things like that and learning how to how to do it properly and and um, if you'd like to join in this conversation the number in Pinellas is 727-441-3000. Pinellas County is 727-441-3000. And toll free, the number is 866-826-1340, 866-TAN-1340. The all-tell free call is star 1340. And, uh, and you're just mentioning about uh, school children being so easily led. Well, what about, uh, what do you think about people who are imprisoned or even in jail for a very short time being given such uh, um, um, jail food. <laughs> yeah, I, I was actually recent, recently put in jail, and I had well, a... Well, there's a first time for everything. Yeah, <laughs> I, was, I had a lot of fun explaining that one to the Qigong group. <laughs> Why were you in jail? No. Uh, but I, I actually had the experience of eating their food and being around those people and being around the workers who also eat poor diets. You mean and, you ate well, when I, you were in there? Yeah, I had to eat two meals while I was in there, and it was... It was horrible food. I felt 
I felt very uh, down. After I ate the food, about an hour afterward, I felt like I had no gumption, nothing to get me up to, to do anything. I just was, and it also allows you to go into the fear range. You feel like you're more afraid of what they might do when you have a lower spirit or a, a lower vibration from the food that you're eating. And it was just, it was painful to watch this happen to me because I used to think, oh, well, I've got this great tool, Qigong. I could just do that, practice that in the jail system. People in China would practice this for six, eight hours a day until they reached what they call enlightenment or or at least the ability to really uh, a new level af- maybe, or... affect healing in other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I realized it is nearly impossible to do Qigong when you have no diet. When your diet is that low in actual usable energy, calories, you yeah, need some good calories. It's, it's hard to motivate yourself to stand up to even do a, do a breathing technique, which would give you energy. And even though you know the outcome of that, you still can't <laughs> motivate yourself to do it. So you said it made you feel a little bit suspicious or a little bit uh, apprehensive, or how would you describe it? It just made me fear what was going on. It made me mm-hmm. also feel... Um, like I had no control over the situation more than I already didn't, you know. So it was like it just got worse and worse to the point where I didn't have as much, um, uh, I guess, light on the situation where I felt like I was, when I walked in, I was very happy and very uh, willing to to, uh, to question the authority of the officers. But after a while, I just was like, I don't want to be in here any longer. I can't take this. So at first you wanted to interact with the officers and speak with them and uh, and, and interact to to do some to be um, to have some beneficial effect to to hopefully uh, <laughs> I, for this is really difficult for the audience to understand but you know when you're trying to speak when you meet an officer for the first time and and they're they're playing good cop bad cop and sometimes they try to put that suspicion in you but. But you're saying, uh, starting out, you were able to speak to them, and as humans, eye to eye, one man to another. But then, later on, after you ate, you're saying that uh, did you feel? What I mean to ask, did you feel maybe your your um, ability? Did you did you start to doubt your ability to socialize, maybe, and read people, to interact and emotionally um, connect with people? Was yeah, I think that was it was it was more more so just the fact that I just didn't have the energy to even want to deal with anything anymore. I just and I, and I, I was put into a mental part of the ward because one of the officers decided to say that I claim to be Jesus because I do a, you know healing. And well, you, you it, he asked you what you were doing, right? Yeah, he and, asked me what I was doing, and then he decided to after I had made too much of a ruckus, decided to give me a little play and throw me in a in the. Uh, the nut ward and then throw me into a mental hospital after that. And when I was in the, in the ward, I was just amazed. I was like, these people who they call, you know, insane, and they honestly sounded insane, could have just been insane from being placed in there for a few weeks. Because in the meds, yeah, if and I, the diet, <laughs> if I were in there for a few days, I was, I mean, even just being in there seven or eight hours, I felt like I could not, uh, you know, you're in a white cell with nothing soft <laughs> you're just on concrete and you know you got a metal toilet and you're in there and there's nothing to look at nothing to do and after a while it just breaks you and your your mm-hmm. mind needs stimulation it's exactly. designed that's why we're here on this planet it's because we enjoy the stimulation 
So to be put in that kind of environment, they're like, oh, no, that's not, that wouldn't cause someone to go insane. It's like, what are you thinking? Yeah, well, I think they wanted to drive you nuts because they mm-hmm. they wanted to convince you that you were in order to scare you to maybe or this is probably how they handle uh, a lot of situations like this where people um and uh, initially you had uh, exerted your your rights uh, let them know that you know about your certain rights of yours and you know under the constitution that are protected but uh, a lot of people will um you know, given uh, this uh, treatment and, and they're put into a psych ward, they'll just start to worry about how the doctor is going to treat them, how they're being examined, and uh, what meds they might have forced on them. And you wonder, you know, when they're interviewing the when they're interviewing the the patients coming in, um, it's really an interrogation, and the, the patient is wondering, uh, is this really my friend who I can speak to as a as a doctor, as a therapist, or is this somebody who's willing to commit me? And luckily, it was not the case with you because they did not find anything mentally uh, deficient in you. <laughs> I'm sure the vice versa. Um, if you were in their shoes, uh, you could mm-hmm. ask them yeah. a few questions and find out what kind of medications they were on to think that it's appropriate. Yeah, the, the the nurse at the jail was just, you know, obviously wrote down whatever she wanted to write down. But when I actually got to the mental health clinic, they, 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 the psychiatric doctor looked at me and was like, someone's playing with you. <laughs> someone's, someone's playing a game on you because they don't like what you're doing. Well, smile, you're on candid camera. Yeah. <laughs> well, that'd be nice if they had cameras everywhere that wouldn't fail all the time, too. But, yeah, that, you know, makes you wonder who in whose custody you're in. Yeah. Because I, I think I explained myself pretty well to the nurse and 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 explaining like how the body heals and whatnot and she you know she's for some reason allowed to heal herself but I'm not allowed to heal other people you know so there's this kind of understanding that we do heal as human beings we do cut ourselves scrape ourselves uh, injure ourselves and we don't do anything you can just sit back and in a few weeks or a few months it'll be back to normal. And we don't ever question that. But if a doctor were to tell you, well, you can't heal without a drug, you can't heal a cut without a drug, well, then, you know, when they see that happen, they think it's a miracle. And it is a miracle, but just because the medical deity tells you otherwise that miracles can't happen. And, you know, so many people get treated uh, and cured of diseases that doctors told them were incurable, and they go back to the doctor, and the doctor is totally disinterested. And... And hearing what the solution or the therapy was for that person, so uh, I see. Yeah, I see that a lot. And you wonder in this allopathic uh, medicine system. I, I think a miracle should be defined as a misunderstanding of nature. <laughs> you know, we look at nature wrong. We go, "Oh my gosh, it's incredible!" And it's really just the way the system works. When you understand magnetic fields and energy, and you understand uh, how our body works and the spiritual aspects of our beings, it's not so. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, strange to a lot of people who are into this. It's, the it's basics. Only, it's only strange to those people who have been programmed to watch, you know, three to four hours of television every night after they eat their food that's low, you know, low vibrational. It's, 
which I'm not coming down on. Oh, sure. Try, 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 try the opposite. If you disagree, try the opposite method. Try not watching TV for a month straight and try eating healthy foods and see what happens. Well, try respecting yourself more first in order (laughs) to do that. That's Mm -hmm. the foundation. And, you know, people will think that, well, I I take care of myself. I do the very best. And it's nearly impossible if if you're, you know, when you start educating yourself about additives, it's it's nearly impossible to find anything in a supermarket that's worthwhile eating and you know unless it's uh, in the organic section or uh or around the edges as they say around the edges of the supermarket rather than the more processed foods in the middle yeah and it's it's really a it's really sad that right now that they're spraying all these chemicals on us because the people who are actually trying to take control of their lives and their health are being forced back into the system without uh because of the the pollution in the air that's going on right now through our I don't even know who's doing it, but I'm sure there's somebody out there that knows a lot about it more than I do. But I just John Holdren does the new science czar for Obama. Oh yeah, (laughs) I just watch him every day. I'm just amazed nobody looks up. You know, they see these lines in the sky, and the lines spread out to what people think are clouds, and nobody ever takes the time. And when you bring it up to people, people are just so turned off by the idea that you would, you know, talk about conspiring like this. And it's like, just look up. This is the first time you could just look up and see it. You don't have to spend hours researching it. Just spend one day when you're off and look up in the early morning and watch as planes leave these plumes behind them, these little strips of that, that turn into these, this whiteness in the sky. It's so important for us to actually start noticing this because if we don't notice it soon, there's going to be some serious problems. Well, if people, right, if they don't notice the cause and effect, the cause of the spraying, and then they, the effect is that they feel miserable or they get uh, weird colors smeared on their cars or uh, how horrid would that be compared to your health? But, <laughs> you know, I, I'm getting, uh, I'm seeing these uh, little colorful swirls of oil, it seems, in the, in the rainwater as uh, my pots fill up in my backyard. And uh, and they, it, it's it's disgusting because I don't want to use that to water my plants. I, I pour it off and I just put in some of my filtered water as usual, the, the prill water. But yeah, it's, it's very important to know what's happening to us in order to counteract these these effects. And and uh, and you mentioned you know it's it's easy when you know some of these these basics, some of the rules, some of the the, the laws or the magnetic fields and and such. You mentioned well. The the learning just never stops when you get into um, when you get into these more subtle energies and you just uh, you be, you start to learn how it inf- impacts certain parts of the body and the whole body whole body and and uh, and nature itself. It's interesting to to see how uh, how the how the magnetism how the uh, how the airwaves work the the various um, the waves the uh, the the vibration um, pardon me the the uh, vibrational waves that they're putting through the atmosphere uh, some of the uh, just all the pollution that that we're encountering the noise pollution the um, some people and I don't know if anybody's heard this I, I've heard uh, around the country people have been hearing a low thumping or a hum and I've started hearing that lately and I was wondering is it construction going on around me but no it's late at night so I, I don't know like harp yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that Harp, harp is related. Yeah, they got them all over now. Mm-hmm. I heard they have a few, four or five of them. But, yeah, Harp is that uh, array of antenna in Alaska. Um, high, 
high altitude active uh, auroral research project. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, H-A-A-R-P, if anybody wants to look that up and research that they're just beaming ionizing radiation um, into the into the atmosphere and, and bringing the atmosphere down or up or manipulating weather and doing some very amazing things and scary things. It was initially meant to uh, supposedly be an over-the-horizon over the radar, but uh, it can be used for many other things, and it's a huge array of uh, antenna up in Alaska. But like you said, there, like you said, Tom, um, there are a few other, um, I think three or four arrays around the world also. Yeah, and HARP has about seven different things they can do. One of them is to vibrate the ionosphere, make it slam back into the regular atmosphere, causing earthquakes. Oh, that's the mechanism. That's one of its mm. things that it can do. And they've used it already, from what I understand. Well, I wouldn't doubt it. There is a, there's also that UN treaty uh, against weather manipulation, and in their definition of weather manipulation, they include earthquakes. Mm. So if the uh, ability was being contemplated back then, perhaps it existed. I think this was in 78 or 79 that the that UN treaty was passed there was a there was a neat uh, bit of information on the internet a while back that uh, that showed a video that was taken by a, a Japanese uh, uh, civilian that saw the sky turn rainbow colors right before the earthquake hit that took out the nuclear power plant and this was at about the at the same time that the the government our government was pressuring the Japanese government to give them control over their banks so it was very, you know, during when we were starting to first enter into this uh, economic crunch, and it was very uh, odd that they were <laughs> that this earthquake happened right where a nuclear power plant was, and that the sky. And you can watch the video; it's pretty uh, incredible. If you, I don't know how to search it, search for it, but it's on YouTube or was mm-hmm. if they didn't take it off. Oh yeah, yeah. I'll have to go look for that. Should yeah. be able yeah, to be it's found. It's a very uh, pretty rainbow effect, but you better start running because <laughs> ten minutes later is when the earthquake hits. Yeah. Oh my, duck and cover. Yeah. <laughs> Duck and cover. Oh my, that sounds scary. I'll have to look that up. It shouldn't be too hard if you uh, maybe just do a YouTube uh, I, I Jap- can, Japan harp or Japan earthquake or maybe Japan yeah. uh, a rainbow. I'll have to do that for the next show and pull that track that down, pull it up. Uh, we have a caller on the line, Dennis. Is how Dennis? How are you? Hey, gentlemen, doing good. Hey, what's on your mind? Actually, uh, well, two things. One was the. Uh, the harp you were talking about there, but second was that uh, that pass program that they were voting on today. But yeah, first, yeah. Uh, the, the, the harp you were talking about there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure if some of your listeners are aware, but uh, and maybe Tom might be familiar with this. But it, from what I understand, uh, I'm not sure if you've heard of Steve Quayle. Yeah, great website, uh, SteveQuayle.com. And. Uh, from, I think it was him that was mentioning that they use HARP, which is the Highly Active Auroral Research Project, in conjunction with the GWEN, which is the Ground Wave Emergency Network. And what it, the way it's supposed to work from is based on Tesla-type physics, where the, the GWEN towers are used as the down rod, as it were, or the grounding rod for the signals that they were using. And when used in conjunction, they can dial up weather changes as well as uh, earthquakes so it's pretty scary stuff and it's all it's all based on some physics that tesla was working on 100 years ago and it's just mm-hmm. been progressing since yeah he did some amazing things yeah. but he didn't oh, hide that one <laughs> yeah 
Yes, it's amazing what they what they were accomplishing, what what they what he did, and what has been done since. I, I don't doubt that they've gone farther. I mean, when the guy died, he confiscated all of his papers, and his family got almost nothing back. But you know, these things just mysteriously pop up. These new inventions out of nowhere. Oh, sure, I, okay. <laughs> I, I wanted to mention when whenever you hear the word confiscate, I just learned the legal definition of that word. It actually means to take without legal uh, without lawful authority. So when somebody takes your goods or confiscates them, they they have no right to do that. True. That is true. And they're just saying tough noogies by saying we confiscated it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we yeah. confiscated Cynthia McKinney and her boy. Or I don't yeah. know if they use that term. But <laughs> Take this. Yeah, we, yeah, have, we so. don't have any authority, but sure, <laughs> we'll just do it anyway. Well, Cynthia McKinney, she's a brave woman. I, I, I Like I said before, I voted for her, and she well deserved it. Got more cojones than most of the men up there. Yeah, exactly. She's a great uh, idol, a great, uh, great model for a lot of men. Definitely bigger pair of stones than most. Mm. And, uh, and in the last few minutes here, we'll talk about the PASS Act with you, uh, if anybody else would like to call in here uh, regarding this or other subjects that we talked about uh, here in Pinellas at 727-441-3000 and toll-free 866-826-1340. So uh, th this PASS Act, um, uh, gosh, well, wh what do you think about it? And, and tell the listeners a little bit about it. Um, what, I had, what I've seen so far... It's disturbing. Uh, I was just trying, looking on the web trying to get some more details, and I can't seem to find any information on what the results were. I thought they were supposed to vote yesterday. Yeah, I've been having a problem uh, dealing with that, too. That's why I've been de uh, delaying talking about it. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, it's, it's amazing. I don't know. I haven't found any new, um, any recent news in the last few days. Was, but, it, uh, was that for the House? The vote for the House was supposed to be yesterday? Uh, yeah, and from what I gather, uh, Senator Lieberman has, uh, well, actually it was the Senate that they were bringing it up, uh, Senator Lieberman has made it darn near impossible for anybody to bring up any contradictory uh, material to be, you know, presented to the committee. If it didn't, if it wasn't something positive for it, the only thing he was going to, the only people from what I understand he was going to allow to speak were those who were saying it doesn't go far enough. Now, the PASS Act, right. uh, you will have to have a pass, do anything, transact, trades, etc. And what they want to do, it's even worse than the Real ID Act uh, that they, of <laughs> 2005. Uh, what it does is it, it mandates an RFID or radio frequency ID chip and in uh, these uh, standardized identification or driver's licenses throughout the uh, driver's licenses and IDs throughout the country and uh, the standards are formed by a UN body so it's uh, interesting that uh, we have an international body interfering in our sovereign affairs but uh, as if we were sovereign but um, this uh, RFID chip can be uh, can be scanned by anybody with uh, with a scanner um, there's an article here in AP um, chips, I'll just read the beginning of it. Chips and official IDs raise privacy fears by mm. Todd Luan, uh, July 12th. And uh, begins uh, saying, zipping past Fisherman's Wharf, his scanner detected, then downloaded to his laptop, the unique serial numbers of two pedestrians' electronic U.S. passport cards embedded with radio frequency identification, or RFID tags. And by the way, it's also for passports as well as IDs and driver's licenses. 
Within an hour, he'd skimmed, quote-unquote, skimmed the identifiers of four more of the new microchipped pass cards from a distance of 20 feet. Should biometric technologies be coupled with RFID, quote, governments will have for the first time in history the means to identify, monitor, and track citizens anywhere in the world in real time, end quote, says Mark Lerner, who's uh, the spokesman for the Constitutional Alliance, a, a network of nonprofit groups, lawmakers, and citizens opposed to remotely readable identity and travel documents. And uh, his website um, is StopRealIDCoalition.com, or he can be found at that website, StopRealIDCoalition.com. And, uh, and he was uh, reporting on how you're, you're mentioning that that um, Senator Lieberman was preventing him or anybody from testifying to uh, um, the fact that uh, this is bad and uh, they're trying to just allow testimony of people who would say, well, yes, this is good, but we need more of this. We need maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe a greater, I don't know how it could get any worse than, than what it is, but uh, maybe greater range for the RFIT to be able to reflect back the signal? Um, I don't know, but um, there is an answer. Um, while I have the time, I want to mention there's a lessemf.com and other websites uh, have um, shielding and, and other um, devices and materials that you can get to shield yourself from electromagnetic radiation or electromagnetic frequency. That's less. <laughs> emf.com less emf emf is electromagnetic frequency so i wanted to everybody to know that if this happens to pass that there is some kind of a a, a solution to maintaining your privacy i know people can also check out uh, Catherine albrecht oh yes bitechips.com is that it I'm not sure what her website name is. I know she was on the Power Hour today, and she was on Doc, uh, Pastor Butch Paw's program recently, and she has her own radio program as well. I know she's been working. She mentioned she had uh, she she was going to Harvard, and she used she once or twice crashed a uh, lecture at MIT. I know because I used to live in in Boston. I used to go to MIT and crash lectures all the time. It was great fun. Wonderful. <laughs> it was it was fun. I mean, those people talk about the best topics. And if you're a student in another college at the time, you could just walk right into a lecture hall and just sit down in the back and find out whatever you wanted. Well, that's how she found out about these spy chips. I mean, I found out about some interesting stuff myself for other reasons, that other things going on at the time, but I can relate to how she found out about it. And she just, once she found out, it flipped her out and she looked into it further from there. And this was back in the 90s that she discovered this. So, right. Yeah, and then so I guess before they... Before they, uh, they they give you the before they give you the advance information first they indoctrinate you with the misinformation as to why the advance information should go forward, I guess. So so what kind of um, what kind of uh, crashing did she do? Well, she said she she basically you know if you have ever been to Boston, Harvard and MIT are really not that far apart. I mean, they're maybe six blocks away from each other, and they do share certain. They have facilities that are like side by side. I mean, as far as the boathouses for the boats, the, the rowing that they do on the Charles, they're, they're not that far apart. So they have a lot of interaction. So she went into a lecture hall and they were talking about the advent of the spy chips that were being promoted at the time as this is a great invention that we can use to do this, that, and the other thing. And so she asked people questions. And at the time, they didn't see any reason to not tell the whole story. And the information she found out was just how invasive it was. And that 
was the key for her. And when she looked at it further, she found out amazingly how much invasion of privacy was going to happen. So you're saying this should be used for our representatives only, right? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> and since they cause cancer after a few years, we should probably call that term limits. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm sure for those inventing it, that, that's a plus. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think uh, they, some guy just came out with a patent of an exploding chip uh, suggested putting it in airline passengers before they get on board so that in case one of them misbehaves, they can just release the cyanide into your bloodstream and s circulate throughout. <laughs> I thought that should have been put into, uh, you know, representatives who <laughs> vote against the Constitution. You know? Well, exactly. Yeah. Whoops. Yeah, there's, it's a double-edged sword. <laughs> Better hope you're there so nobody else votes for you that day. <laughs> mm -hmm. Let them be the experiment for once. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So this uh, this chipping is is um, the ultimate goal apparently. And uh, Catherine Albrecht is is a great pioneer at spychips.com. Um, but this chipping that they're wanting to these RFID chips that they're trying to put in the uh, IDs right now is the is the next step that they're trying to push forward because the Real ID Act did not get uh, passed or a lot of a lot of states passed resolutions saying that hey we can't implement this it's an un, um, unfunded mandate and it's also uh, not constitutional so uh, I'm, I know unless you're going to put some money in it for us we're not going to uh, we're not going to standardize our licenses and IDs to have an RFID and or I mean to um, have a uh, you know to, to be the one format but now they want to take it a step further and they want to implant a chip in the ID to make sure that we can be tracked and traced within a, a reader, whether it's 100 or 150 yards or so, we could be scanned and read by another individual or the government. Well, Dennis, I hear the music coming in. Thanks for your call and your contribution again tonight. And you take great care. Have a good night. Thanks, Steve and Tom, for joining us as well. You've been listening to Liberation Station, liberationstation.weebly.com. This is Chris Steiner, your host. Take great care. <laughs>